to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning and welcome into the podcast. I am Jay and today is of course April the 5th. It's 2022. Lots to talk about today. I want to start off with uh, some time back I told you about um, uh, this investigative reporter uh, working on a story and uh, it's become even more interesting um, in the sense that this is going to be a whopper of a story. Um, it's on a smaller fire department, but it's just uh, what what I know of it is that uh, it's going to certainly uh, shake some people to the core and a small town as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of wraps up um, going forward. And, and uh, here's something that, that I think uh, just from the part that I know. When people get comfortable, you know, like, man, we've made it, you know, this is this, that's that, all this kind of stuff happens, that's when these things sort of just, bam, they hit they hit a place and then it just, it's going to be ugly. So I'll keep you updated on that and we'll absolutely link to it and talk about it uh, when it's released, hopefully within the month or month and a half, whatever. It's been a long one thing about investigative journalists, uh, by nature, they're typically very patient, uh, which may, which means that um, that they're not going to rush something. But good thing. San Antonio Fire Department um, out in Texas. I know some guys out there. I correspond with them, email occasionally, a text message. Uh, their fire chief just reported fires are up twenty six percent in san antonio which is a trend upward obviously and is being seen in other places as well you always hear you know well fires are down we're never going to have fires and all this stuff that's the reason why uh, fires are kind of like the market if you watch the market on a regular basis and if you've watched it over the decades goes up goes down goes up goes down you know uh, bust and boom. That's that's what it does. The same goes for fires. And the fact that uh, it's trending up in larger cities is a sign that it will also trend upward in smaller cities, especially, especially when the market uh, corrects itself, either gets back down again, which we know it will at some point. It's amazing what people do to get insurance money and all sorts of things not to mention as buildings get o- older and the buildings that are getting older let's remember uh, most of us when in the 70s 80s 90s uh, specifically in the 70s and 80s and early 90s who were who were uh, in the fire service um, we were dealing with a lot of construction that was built way back in the day well now you're looking up into the 20s now you're going to be dealing with lightweight construction that's falling apart. And it falls apart much faster. And it burns much quicker. So, um, interesting, especially in urban areas, how, uh, how we're going to see 
perhaps, uh, you know, you might go back to the days of losing four or five uh, houses, uh, toot sweet actually, because uh, of lightweight construction. Interesting. Also, with the reduction in, in uh, staffing in some places, uh, gotta wonder uh, how are things gonna gonna work their way out? Because let's face it, it's not a good situation. You take lightweight construction, right? Uh, fewer firefighters, and you combine those two, and guess what? Big trouble ahead in, in many cases. Toxic workplaces. I was talking with a, uh, a friend of mine who is um, who practices uh, labor law, and he and I were talking about because I wanted to ask him, like, hey, you know, what's it mean when, when you have a toxic employee or a toxic workplace environment? And he said, frankly, it means uh, good settlements, meaning that lawyers and the people doing the lawsuits, they're going to get nice chunks of money. Many people don't, I think, understand what a toxic workplace is, and this isn't the podcast for a description of toxic, uh, of a toxic workplace or toxic people, but we have talked about in the past about people who sort of create uh, an environment of distrust and, and dishonesty and uh, character uh, assassination, all those sorts of things. Ultimately, there is a, a difference between someone who's just a jerk, that happens, and someone who is so toxic that nobody wants them, but leadership never makes a move on them for whatever reason. Those toxic people end up costing people their jobs, typically higher up because they did the hiring. The other problem with a toxic person is is that they're always going to have a champion. That's the way it goes. There are people out there who who will look at these people and go, "Ah, that person's not so bad," even when 90% of of their fellow employees will say, "Yeah, I don't understand. I don't like the guy. I don't want him around." So these toxic uh, workplace lawsuits, they, they can cost cities and, and towns and counties and so on and so forth. They can cost them quite a bit of money. Um, and the, I think the money is one thing. Um, the loss of confidence and leadership among uh, firefighters who look at this person or persons and think, you know, nobody ever does anything to them. Nothing. And... Uh, it becomes a, a difficult situation. So in talking to this guy, my friend, um, we sort of, you know, discuss the, the ways in which um, it can be corrected. And, and the thing is, is that when you're dealing with someone who's toxic or, or an environment that's toxic, you have to start right away. You know, if you find out if you found out about it two months ago and you're starting today, well, better to start today than never. But it would have been better to start back then. So, the key is getting something started and trying to fix it to the best of your ability. There are far too many people in the fire service who take it for granted that people are going to put up with their toxicity and. That's unfortunate because um, ultimately it ends up not just costing 
the people who have to deal with this type of person. But it ends up costing the fire department. And uh, you always hear it, right? When somebody's somebody gets uh, gets sued because of somebody else, they'll go, wow, we never knew. Sure you did. You knew. Leaders always know about the people who are toxic, unless the leaders are out of touch, and then it's time to change them, I suppose, or at least bring them up to speed and give them an opportunity to fix it. Interesting how those things happen. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about... Um, talk about uh, uh, doing search and rescue. One of the things that I remember yesterday, I was uh, talking with a friend of mine, and he had just gone through a class. We're chatting back and forth, and I was telling him the uh, the uh, the window opening story. And we'd gotten uh, some new guys, and we had one of them, or I had one of them out on the training ground. There were several of them. Other people were talking to them, and he came over to me, and he said, I got a question. I said, sure. And he said, well, he said, when we clear out a window, because that's what we were going over, uh, not just opening a window, but clearing it out completely, making it clean. And he said, I, he said, something I don't understand. And well, OK, go ahead. He's like, well, when we take out a window, why doesn't the building collapse? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the look on my face said, but I know what I was thinking. And I'm like, well, I said, well. Explain to me what you're talking about. He said, well, he said, why doesn't the window frame or the, you know, the wall above the window, why doesn't it just come straight down when we take out a window? And I said, well, we're taking out the glass and the sash and all that. I said, those are not load bearing. And he said, well, what's that mean? So then we had to go into that. But it's amazing. Number one, I I saluted him then and I salute him now because um, he asked a question. And, and, yeah, it's easy to make fun of that question, and I had a good laugh about it later. Um, but, I mean, it's an honest question, and those are the best questions. And sometimes I think all of us, we become too impatient with people who really want to learn. And so when they ask a question, we're like, what are you talking about? Or we try to make them feel bad about it, or we make fun. But in reality, we should, we should really stand there and go, you know, that's a good question. Let me explain it. Now, if that person is, is let's say that person goes on and, and they start teaching building construction for the fire service and, and they still don't understand that windows don't collapse just by taking out the sash and the glass and all that, then yeah, then now you have a problem. But really, when new people ask questions, they're asking for a reason. They want an answer. And... The best way to make sure that they don't ask questions is to make fun of them. Now, look, it's the fire service, right? So you got to have some fun. And you can still have fun with that. But first, answer the question. That's, that's the key. Um, sometimes answering those questions sets a person up for success later on. And certainly the guy who asked me that has had tremendous success um, He's definitely someone who knows the fire service back and forth, backwards and forwards, and uh, he's become a, a great firefighter, and that's a great thing. But I did have fun with him later on about the windows. I would always send him pictures of, of windows that had been vented well and had been taken out, and I would say possible building collapse. And So we always had a good laugh about it. But uh, no questions too stupid, right? I mean, that's what we like to tell people. I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, 
there's a, uh, well, I don't know what you would call him. He supervises all the apparatus for a department. Some places it'd be called supervising engineer, others head of maintenance, whatever you, uh, you know, apparatus, whatever you want to call it. But um, he wrote in, he actually wrote in last month. I'm just getting around to it. He said, uh, he said, I got a favor. He said, on the podcast, he said, would you uh, alert people to the fact that loose tools call, cause all kinds of damage and uh, to not do that? Uh, and I mean, he went on a little further with some other stuff. But yeah, it got me thinking about loose tools. And I'm sure all of us have had rigs, at least I know I have, where um, I'm thinking back to Max especially and uh, an 83 Pierce and a, uh, what was the other... Uh, group of apparatus we oh e1s as well uh, but you you had a compartment and and so everything was pretty much thrown in there and you know what you had everything right you had everything you needed uh, but precious little of it was mounted or or you didn't do much of anything except just throw equipment in there and then when you got to the fire you hope it you hope it fell out in the right order when you open the compartment door that's a little bit taking a little bit of artistic license there but Pretty much, uh, that was the truth, um, and it, it causes a great deal of damage. Um, it does over the years, uh, damage to compartments, damage to tools themselves. Um, you know, you can't. Well, let me back up. I guess you can mount everything, and and that's fine if you have the budget for that, or the 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 time, the the personnel willing to do that, or or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about, though. In my opinion, loose tools that are, uh, you know, the types of tools that can cause a lot of damage, they need to be mounted and or uh, fixed permanently, or at least have a permanent fix uh, to fix it in the, in the compartment. Um, your larger tools, your, your pointy edge tools, um, it's one thing, I think, in an engineer's compartment to have some uh, some loose things, you know, uh, maybe a gated wire, whatever, Siamese, uh, uh, you know, whatever. It's another to have things that are built to hurt people, or excuse me, hurt buildings, not hurt people, although they will do that. Um, it's another to have those just, just rolling around in a compartment. And especially when you get to a call and someone may not be familiar with the compartment or, or its issues, they open it and it falls out on them. Uh, I watched that happen to somebody. It was an engineer one time. We were at a fire, and um, I was told by my captain, go to the this engine that was just arriving and pull a line off. And uh, I was going to it, and the engineer jumped out, and he opened up the engineer's compartment and uh, a hose jacket, which... These are not the nice lightweight hose jackets. These were made of uh, about 2,000 pounds of titanium, it seemed like. Anyway, it rolled out of the compartment, landed on his foot. And as I, and as I stepped up on the uh, sideboard there to grab that line and turned around to pull it off, um, he was engaged in, in some uh, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy, late 70s, early 80s language. Uh, that was comical uh, it was but but he was he was genuinely hurt and uh he had to go home after the fire uh, well actually had to go to the er after the fire and he messed up his toe um, but 
it's something like that. You know, you, you get a you get an injury, which is not funny, but years later, trust me, it was funny looking. Um, you don't want these things to happen, and they do happen. And what I would say to, to any command-level officer, when you go by a fire station, go and open up compartment doors and look and, and see which compartments need fixing and then get with the appropriate people and let them fix it. Insurance being what it is, uh, OSHA being what it is, the days of these things just kind of being kept in-house and nobody saying anything have, at least for now, are over. And there are too many people that, hey, let's face it, they're looking for a settlement or whatever, um, looking for a check. It's best to go around and check those things out. What, what equipment can be mounted? What equipment can be secured inside of a compartment? Um, n- not just for the injuries, but that is the most important but also for the life of the tool, the life of the apparatus. Um, you know, when you order a truck now, you can specify a lot of different things. Every fire department has, you know, your, your jack-of-all-trades person who can, who can uh, you know, build the desk and then, you know, land, the, land on the International Space Station and then, you know, affix a halligan to the side of a compartment. I and mean, there are people out there that can do it. And almost every fire department has one or more. I've never been around a fire department that didn't have somebody who was a wizard, those sorts of things. And uh, so, I mean, it it doesn't take a lot, and it pays off in the end. Hopefully nothing ever happens with those loose tools. I was reading. um, I was actually proofreading a yearly report uh, for a fire department they're doing these uh, in their first ones this year, and I don't know why they're putting it out in June, but that's none of my business. Uh, at any rate, um, they are really, really focused in on response times. And um, this is a department that has, it's a small department, uh, maybe eight stations, I think it was. Uh, maybe a few more than that, but I, I can only remember up to eight. Anyway. Uh, they're really focused in on response times, and, and they give some good reasoning um, behind it. I mean, we all know that response times are important. That goes without saying. Um, but the amount of effort put into this was, was, pretty, uh, was pretty interesting and impressive. Um, we all know getting to a fire or, or a medical response, but for the purposes of this, we're talking about fire. Getting there earlier is good. Now, getting there recklessly, not talking about that. But getting on the road, knowing where you're going, knowing where you're going if the GPS fails, knowing where you're going if if your uh, MDT fails. These are things people tend to think about. You know, uh, there are many places that still require you to do streets, and they don't care if you can do streets on a phone because anybody can they don't care if you can do it via GPS because, let's face it, anybody can read one. They want you to know your streets, but it's not just knowing how to get there. So, for example, you get a, you get a call on First Street, uh, and First Street runs 24 blocks. It's not enough to just get to First Street. It's better than not getting there, but it's not good enough. You need to be able to know where on First Street you're going. Um, 
if you're going at, at noon, it's a big difference than going at midnight. Midnight, typically less traffic. Um, you know, there's just, there's differences. And your, uh, your good operators, your good apparatus operators, they should know where they're going. By all means, use whatever means you can to help you. But in the event that fails, you still better know where you're going. And it's, again, it's not enough to just know where the street is. Um, when you have a department where people are sitting around all the time, there's even less, um, less of an excuse, really. I mean, know where you're going so you can get there. These response times are valuable. In part, and I, I was listening to a talk by a well-known fire service I call him a motivator, but he's a speaker. And guys just lights out tons of experience, uh, lives it, eats it, breathes it, and has been doing it for a very long time. And it's like he says, and I agree with him, don't care about your long night or your, your morning or whatever. Your job's to help. And the people are your first responsibility, the people you're serving. I know that goes against some, some sort of postmodern me-only thing, but uh, sorry. You know, it sucks to be you if you're that way. The people deserve your best response on every response. That's the way it works. That's why you're here. And if that's not your feeling, you shouldn't be here. You should be gone. That's just the way it works. Again, um, the pros get it. They do. The pros get it. The people playing at it, not so much. And you can play at it for a long time. There are people that come on a department and retire from a department, and they never got it. They might get their retirement and all, and that's fine. They've cheated the world out of some oxygen, and hey, it's the way it goes. But as I said, the pros get it. The people who understand about the job. That's going to do it for today. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.